cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. Is everybody ready for Cyber Monday, Black Friday, and everything that happens after Thanksgiving between Thanksgiving and Christmas? So that's where we are right now. I actually took advantage of something uh, post-Thanksgiving. I went to Frontier.com, and for four ninety nine, you can get an annual flight pass. So you could fly for free for a year. Go to Frontier.com. That's pretty amazing. That, And they're not a sponsor. I'm just like, wow. So I don't know. There's a lot of like hidden fees and taxes and stuff. But you can find some pretty good deals out there, though. There's certainly, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the spending is going to be in this in this particular lead up to, the, to this particular Christmas season and holiday season um, because... Uh, you know, credit card debt is over a trillion dollars. People are underwater with their cars and and inflation has taken a toll. Even though inflation's starting to like, you know, come down a little, people are exhausted. They've exhausted their money uh, weathering the inflationary storms. And, you know, it's still not looking great. You know, the Fed's still going to raise rates. And, you know, what that's going to do to some of the regional banks, collapsing the banks. These regional banks aren't going to make it. I heard that United Bank of Scotland, uh, UBS, um, uh, I'm seeing signs that other regional banks are going to go under. And I had these conversations over the Thanksgiving break. And, you know, I got to tell you, it seems like it's by design. And it's almost, say it's not by design. Say it's, say it's done politically. So like, for example, in order to not get hit with a recession or in order to, you just print more money and you pay all the bills and you tell everybody everything's hunky-dory. And part of that sensation uh, is the actual positive sentiment in and of itself. If you instill confidence, for example, 
you're liable to create momentum based on false information. And somewhere along the end of the way, you're still going to have inflation. You're going to have an economic collapse because the money at some point has to be real. It can't just be virtual. It just can't be printed. At some point, we're going to find out the mess that we're truly in. And so there's this guy, Ed Dowd, former BlackRock portfolio manager, explains why every last remnant of your freedom depends on widespread rejection of CBDCs. Because what they want to do is they want to control your money. And when they collapse, you collapse. See, that's the problem. All your money's in on a digital, it's a digital piece of ink. It's not even tangible. It's not a gold bar. It's not even skids of cash in your basement. It is worth less than that. It's a number on a spreadsheet that could be changed just like the election results. Everything is digital, even our election. Oh, that says um, Trump won by 67%. No, let's make it so uh, Trump is Biden. Biden won by 67%. And, you know, I mean, they could just change the name. Just reverse the columns in the Excel spreadsheet. And give the loser the winner numbers and give the winner the loser number. It's that simple. So if you have like your whole life's savings wrapped up in digital currency and you decide that you're going to speak up against the thought police, you are liable to get punished and money frozen and taken away from you unless you can unless you conform, unless you obey. And people are getting locked up right now for thoughts. And that's what makes this whole thing about the artificial intelligence so dangerous is, is that we have this arbiter of truth And it just so happens that the people that are in charge of this mission are radically left-wing Silicon Valley brainiacs that don't have any tolerance for opposing views. We thought that Twitter and Facebook and we thought that Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey were bad. And the other side thinks that Elon Musk is bad. But wait do you see what happens with this open AI and chat GBT and artificial intelligence and automation? Wait do you see what happens there when everybody is going to be dependent on a universal basic income and you'll get what the government gives you. And if you step out of line, your money and assets will be frozen just like they did with the Ottawa truckers. In Canada, when the Ottawa truckers raised billions of dollars, if not, well, I think it was millions of dollars, but tens of millions of dollars were frozen. Just like they did with Nigel Farage with his banking. Just like they did with Israel uh, 
um, the guy from Rebel News, Israel Levine, I think. But yeah, all these people who come out conservative get crushed by the liberal mind. Just look at J6. Just look at the two standards of justice. Just look at the, the march of globalism. And yet everywhere you start to see these defeats, you, you also see that they got their foot on the pedal. This um, Christine Lagarde has come out and made some huge announcements with the European Union rolling out their digital currency now. It's scary. They're right on track. They're right on target. And you still have Klaus Schwab trying to penetrate the cabinets of governments, and you have these Klaus Schwab disciples talking about ending capitalist democracy and suggesting that it doesn't work anymore. Capitalist democracy in Canada. This woman, a Klaus Schwab disciple, is speaking up against capitalist democracy, which is basically power to the people. You get to make the money you want to make, and you get to vote for whoever you want to vote for, and that should be enough. And the government should just be able to secure the borders, which they fail at left and right, and provide, you know, fill the potholes. We pay, we pay you a certain X amount of dollars to fill the potholes. Because, look, you're not that brainiac. You're not that smart. Fill the damn pothole and shut up. That's all I want the government to do. Fill it. Serve me. I pay you. You serve me. But all of a sudden, you got these government officials that are just traveling all over the world, taking all kinds of vacations. You can't fire them for nothing. And there's no accountability. And now they're actually turning the force of government, the power of government, on to the people. We've seen this in, play out in history. Incidentally, I just watched Napoleon over the weekend. Not that great of a movie. I was expecting so much more. But, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a caricature of... It was like it made Napoleon out to be a bit of a joke. I don't know. I don't really know the true story about Napoleon. He lost a lot of wars and cost a lot of lives. I don't know why he's so celebrated, but uh, that's a different story for a different day. All right, so I want to talk about this uh, digital currency that's rolling out everywhere. And this former BlackRock portfolio manager, Ed Dowd, explains why every last remnant of your freedom depends on widespread rejection of CBDCs, central bank digital, digital currencies. Once the central bank digital currency is linked to all your credit cards and bank accounts, then social controls can be implemented. If you're a dissenter like me, he says, talking about truth, they shut you down. It's a little scary. And wait do you hear what Christine Lagarde has to say about the rollout. And she said there will be controls. So I think before we get to Ed Dowd, I think what I'm going to do is play Christine Lagarde. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. This is, this is a little scary. This is Christine Lagarde. The digital euro is on the move. Yesterday, 
The Governing Council of the ECB approved the opening of the preparation phase. It will be a journey, and we will walk the journey together with the legislator. All European institutions will be involved to make sure that Europe is equipped with the currency of the future. Cash is here to stay. You will have all options, cash and digital cash. So what does it mean for you? For consumers, it would be free and easy to use everywhere in the euro area. All of that, of course, is subject to the legislative process. Cash or digital, the choice will be yours. The digital euro is on the move. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, the, the, the cash, regular cash, isn't always going to be an option. And listen to this. So this is another one. There will be control. All right? This is the same woman, Christine Lagarde. Uh, and introducing the electronic euro, as I know. Yeah. So yeah. How, can I, um, how can switching to an electronic currency help? Now we have in Europe this threshold above 1,000 euros, you cannot pay cash. If you do, see? you are on the gray market. See? So you take your risk. You see, get- see that? See? If it's $1,000 or more, you can't pay cash. And then it's, soon it's going to be 500. And not only that, what, what is 500 worth in, in today's inflation? It's nothing. So see what they did? How, uh, sleight of hand right there. Let's take a listen again. Using the electronic euro, as I know. Yeah. So yeah. How, can I, um, how can switching to an electronic currency help? Now we have in Europe this threshold above 1,000 euros. You cannot pay cash. If you do, you're on the gray market. So you take mm-hmm. your risk. You get caught, you are fined, or you go in jail. But, you know, the, the, the digital euro is going to have a limited amount of control. There will be control. You're right. You're completely right. Mm-hmm. We are considering whether for very small amounts, you know, anything that is around 300, 400 euros, we could have a mechanism where there is zero control. But that could be dangerous. The terrorist attacks on France uh, back uh, 10 years ago were entirely financed by those very small anonymous credit cards that you can recharge in total anonymity. Well, why let the terrorists invade Europe then? If the terrorists are going to be the... So they create the problem. It sort of reminds me of this whole thing that's going on in the Middle East. They're celebrating the release of hostages and the ceasefire uh, is about to end and all this. And Jake Sullivan's negotiating a deal to release more hostages and stuff. It's like, it's because of Jake Sullivan that this crap happened in the first place. It's sort of like they create the, this mass fire and then they get rewarded for putting the fire out after the damage is already done. You know, they create this chaos and this mess. You know, the whole war in Ukraine could have been avoided completely. And they chose not to do it. They chose to uh, aggressively expand NATO and provoke Russia into a conflict because I think it's part of a larger scheme, a new world order. And it's partly to advance 
slave labor in develop, so-called developing nations like China. And in, in, in the, the corporations that are involved with the multinational corporations that are owned by BlackRock, you know, by share, share uh, designations, you know, if, if BlackRock owns 8% shares, that still might be the largest shareholder in the company. And so, therefore, they would have the biggest voice. And without their 8%, there are certain companies that could go bankrupt from pulling those funds. So, in any case, here's Edward Dowd talking about what Christine Lagarde was just talking about. And the point that he makes, I think, is a brilliant point, which is they may not be doing this by design or on purpose, but they're they're basically kicking the can down the road, knowing full well that they're making foolish decisions, but they're saving face. They're propping up the economy like a house of cards built on sand, knowing that one day this is going to collapse because they can't keep this going, right? So why not be there in control like Cloward and Piven, tear it down so that you can build it back up, you know, so the party in power could build it back up. And always the critical problem with Cloward and Piven or Solinsky style attacks on internal governments, it was always the case that if you collapsed it, then you would lose power by the people. And then the people that would get to build it back up would be the winners. Uh, you know, so like, for example, if the Democrats decided that they wanted to pull a cloud and Piven and they wanted to destroy the uh, United States from within, then the, the the idea would be that we have these elections that would make it so the de- the conservatives would be the ones in charge of building it back up. So how would that support or help them, right? So what they'd have to do is they'd have to tear it down and then install like martial law and chaos and control and emergency powers, which they've done. You know, um, Biden has you know given himself emergency war powers now to do a whole bunch of things, but they're rigging the elections and they're opening the borders and flooding the ballots into the election systems, and so they also are going to be in power to build it back up into a socialized, socialist, communist, Marxist utopia for radical libtards. Well, let's take a listen to this. This is, uh, this is what um, Ed Dowd has to say about CBDCs. He's the former BlackRock portfolio manager. Explains why the, every last remnant of your freedom depends on widespread rejection of CBDCs. I want to ask you if you believe that the collapse is orchestrated in order to bring in central bank digital currencies. And do you think, you, you mentioned a timeline to me before that was anywhere from two months to three years. What is the realistic? Uh, what are the realistic steps that you think they'll take to get us there? So, the system is going to collapse of its own weight. And if you know that it's going to collapse, wouldn't you like to introduce a system where you're in control of the new system? 
So that's what I believe is going on. They can't, I don't think, a lot of people say, oh, are they doing this on purpose? Well, it was going to happen anyways. So, um, and if you're, if it's going to happen, wouldn't you like to control it on the way down and get rid of the regional banks and make the banking system very consolidated into six big banks in the U.S. so that then it would be a lot easier to introduce a central bank digital currency. And so banking becomes like a utility pretty much owned by the government and linked to the central bank digital currency. And then from there, once the central bank digital currency is linked to all your credit cards and bank accounts, then social um, controls can be implemented. You can't have, you know, if you're a dissenter like me talking about truth, they shut you down. It's just shut off your account. Um, if they decided that uh, cow farts are a big thing and they don't want you to eat meat, you'll have a quota. You go to the ca cash register and you try to ring up your meat and the woman at the cash register says, they won't let me ring you up. That's the kind of control, end-to-end -end control. It is literally a... a, a um, a uh, prison planet, so to speak. Prison planet, planet, and see this whole thing about centralized, you know, um, the Fed, what the Federal Reserve is doing, which the Federal Reserve should be audited, but what the Federal Reserve is doing is they're jacking up the rates, creating a lot of stress on the regional banks. The banks are then collapsing, and the only thing left standing is some very powerful central banks. <laughs> and um, and they're going to be able to buy up the debt on these regional banks on the cheap, for real cheap, because they're going to get it at a basement fire sale. Oops, our phone system was live. Okay, sorry about that. Um, all right, uh, caller, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, wanted to first make a quote that I heard. Uh, uh, totalitarianism is one of the worst forms of anarchy, but then I wanted to, last week you covered the CIA and uh, uh, the Kennedy assassination, and, and I, I, I've been interested in that. And one of the, uh, uh, this is a story that a guy used to work with, his mom dated Jack Ruby, and she started talking about to her friends and co-workers, she started saying, I don't understand why why he would have shot Kennedy. He hated Kennedy. Why would he do this? Anyway, it wasn't too long after that that two FBI agents showed up at her door and tried to convince her that the Jack Ruby that she dated was not the Jack Ruby that shot the president. And I guess my thought on that was is that this was before Facebook. Well, well Jack you know, Ruby shot Jack Ruby shot Oswald, not the president. I mean Oswald. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. You're right. You're right. I said that wrong. Why would he shoot? He would have been. He should have been happy that uh, Oswald shot Kennedy. And uh, anyway, the FBI showed up and tried to convince her that it was a different Jack Ruby. But the the thing that got me about it the most was this was before Facebook and before, you know, your opinion about everything was known online to everybody. How did the FBI know that this woman was, she was only talking to coworkers and her next door neighbors? How did they know she was talking about that? They, they've, for a long time, they've been monitoring us and we don't, we haven't paid attention to it. Right. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably more than we could ever believe or know. Um, but yeah, you know, there's so a lot. That was, 
that was my thought on that. So I appreciate your show. Thanks. Thank you for calling in. Take care. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, All right. So, okay. Yeah, if you want to call in today, uh, you can call in 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-8255 if you'd like to call in and be heard. All right. So, you know, this Ed Dowd makes a great point, though. And this whole centralization of banks, the banks are all controlled by the globalists. You know, and uh, wasn't it Greta Thunberg that recently, you know, said, if you want to save the world, you can save the banks? You know, it's just all about the money, right? Controlling the money. That is the holy grail of, and so we have a prison planet. That's what we're trying to avoid, folks. And, you know, you could see that the, the, the people, like, for example, Trump was just, at a South Carolina game, football game, crowds cheering. They cheer him like he's this savior, like he's just going to, he's the man that could save the country. And, um, And it's not just, you know, I mean, when you compare that to Joe Biden, Joe Biden, everybody hates Joe Biden. And now you got black, you know, black populations that are just, He's lost like 31% of black, uh, the black vote. He still beats Trump by like 60-40, but it used to be like 90 uh, he had. Why? I have no idea. Trump is the best thing that ever happened to black America, ever, during his four years as president. And hopefully he'll be four years more. Trump is definitely a populist, but you take you take Javier Millet, the Argentinian soccer player that's uh, you know taking Argentina by storm, and then you got this uh, new leader now in the Netherlands, you know, because they were kicking around the farmers and stealing their land and pushing their globalist agenda. So these are all really really interesting things. And we got to do something about the media. I don't think we've ever gone into an election season where the media had less power than they do today. Media blackout. Ten news news stories they chose not to tell you this week, this past week. Natural immunity proves, number ten, natural immunity proves to be seven times more protective than vaccinated immunity. Seven times. Number nine, Business Insider theorizes what happens if Donald Trump dies. Hmm. Number eight, UK data unveils alarming increase in cancer deaths among young people. So increase in cancer. Number seven, Native American group sues NFL team owner over Redskins name change. Now, I'm a Native American. And I got to tell you, financially, that, that really hurts the Native American Indians. These libtards that think that they're, you know, supporting my feelings because somehow I'll be offended with a Redskin on a helmet. 
doesn't realize the basic principles of marketing 101, which is brand awareness, dummies. I mean, the thing is, is that I'm a Native American Indian. My father was a Native American Indian chief. And the one thing that actually keeps people remembering Native American Indians is the damn picture on the side of that helmet. Worth over the course of 20 years, billions of dollars in brand awareness and marketing. So, you know, the quickest way to be forgotten is to be irrelevant, not even be talked about. So, you know, I don't know what it is about liberalism that's so stupid, but that's one of the biggest stupid ideas I've ever seen. Harry Reid was the pioneer of that. Now, he's dead now, but he was a radical left-wing nut job from Nevada. Number six, Tucker Carlson warns the upcoming year will be particularly chaotic, unlike anything the country has gone through. Now, he interviewed Julian Assange. I haven't seen that interview yet. I'm hoping to see it. I hope it's good. Number five, police officer convicted of killing George Floyd gets stabbed. So Chauvin got stabbed. No one wants to talk about it in federal prison following the Supreme Court's decision not to hear his appeal. And, you know, the thing is, good luck with pardoning him because they have an autopsy for George Floyd that says Chauvin had nothing to do with his death. Now, I think Chauvin probably should have gotten some jail time, like six years or something. You know, because I thought what Chauvin did was not cool. However, to get life in prison for what he did, um, you know, George Floyd died from fentanyl poisoning. And and George Floyd was all he could have saved his own life just by cooperating with the police when he was getting arrested for doing real crime, you know, forged uh, uh counterfeit money and resisting arrest and acting like a fool. Yet they put statues of this guy, porn porn guy up. It's crazy. So number four, Pfizer knowingly distributed adulterated drugs to children according to unsealed legal action. Wow. Pfizer. So number three, populist wave sweeps across the Netherlands. Voters choose to get their country back. Number two, Moderna gets caught uh, spying on your vaccine discussions online. Wow. And number one, Javier Millet stuns the world in landslide victory as Argentina's next president, a triumph propelled by his continual humiliation of liberal ideology. And that's what Trump is doing. I think it works. Fail of the week, the Daily Beast inadvertently boosts sales of a company selling HCQ and ivermectin. Repost and follow. Okay, so this is, um, you know, all the all the things that have been misleading. But, you know, when you take a look at the media and how instrumental they were with covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story and perpetuating the Russian hoax story and the perfectly good call with uh, Zelensky that Trump had. I mean, we are just in a very, very corrupt time. And so nobody's paying any attention to the media. 
Not even Fox News. Paul Ryan put a salt to it that they, they ruined that. The Republican Party doesn't have any support from the Republican voters. It's just Donald Trump. That's it. Everybody with half a brain knows Donald Trump is the answer. And he should win in a landslide if it wasn't for election rigging. If they get a third-party candidate in somewhere along the way, it's going to be game over. There's not an algorithm in the world that's going to uh, allow the Democrats to steal the election again. And then there's revelations in Georgia. You got this judge down in Georgia that's basically saying that the uh, voting machines lack all kinds of security measures that make them uh, ineligible. They shouldn't be used. They're too easily corrupted. So you got this guy, general manager of the Bank of International Settlements, the Central Bank of Central Banks, admits the CBC, CBDC will grant central bankers absolute control over how it can be used and the technology to be able to centrally enforce that. Let's take a listen to what this guy has to say. It's kind of crazy. We tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that m- makes a huge difference with respect to what, she, to what cash is. And not only that, but it would be 100% taxable. Like, so... You know how you may be able to buy something cash and you don't even pay tax on it? Yeah, just give me 10 bucks. Well, you know, just give me $10 for it and I'll give it to you for 10 And then no one, no one reports the $10 cash, you know? But if it's all digital, it's all taxable. So the tax revenues for the state go way up. So Paul Sperry writes, breaking Fed-funded NewsGuard, which blacklists and demonetizes news outlets for COVID myths and anti-vaccine misinformation, uh, in quotes, obviously, is bankrolled by publicist group, which reps COVID-vax maker Pfizer, and run by general manager Matt Skablinski, whose father has worked for Pfizer for 20 years. So Pfizer is in the business of controlling censorship. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the U.S. government. Surgeon, professor, and medical commentator Marty, Dr. Marty Macri speaking at the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic in February 2023, he says misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective, that myocarditis 
was more common after the infection than the vaccine, we've seen something which is unforgivable. And that it it is the weaponization of the medical research itself. Public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people for money. So, you know, we're up against it right now. And we should never forgive, never, ever obey, never believe these monsters ever again. And whoever these organizations are should be dismantled if they're be or at least at the very least defunded defunded by tech, government tax uh, government monies, taxpayer dollars. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the the vaccine. That young people benefit from a booster. Misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never vaxxers. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews, and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. And if you think it stops right at the water's edge of medicine, look no further than climate. You know, they're building these, um, like in Japan, they were showing this uh, video trending on social media about these uh, solar panels all over this mountainside. And it was like ugly. I mean, it's just unbelievably disturbing to see. And the thing is, is that if there were trees there, they would be just as effective. If you were to do like some math equation and figure out the effectiveness of if if that mountain was covered in trees like it's supposed to, as opposed to solar panels, which are going to get broken up in hailstorms, uh, have need to be replaced, all kinds of maintenance, and it's just awfully... It just looks awful, right? So when you take a look at all that and you look at the difference between 
the value and benefit of solar panels versus, you know, because what is a solar panel? It's designed to do electricity. So what if you put an electric plant that's 10 times more efficient someplace else and whatever emissions that electric plant's putting out, go ahead and let it be gobbled up by all those trees that were torn down on the mountainside to make room for the solar panels. And I, I, I have a feeling that it would be marginal at, at best, the disparity between the two you know, approaches. And when it's all said and done, uh, you're saving all kinds of money because trees are free. They're part of nature. So a wealthy liberal school district near Chicago is creating a racial spoil system, only letting students with the right skin color enroll in certain classes. When the Wall Street Journal reporter tried to cover it, they went into cover-up mode because they know what they're doing is shameful. Progressives don't want equality either of, uh, either of opportunity or of outcome. They just want Jim Crow with new races on top. And you know what else? Um, the, uh, I think it was the governor of Washington or um, Washington State. Uh, she is lowering the standards of math and English to help create more equitable outcomes in education. <laughs> it's so crazy. So here we got this uh, key member of the World Economic Forum's Board of Trustees and Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, Christia Freeland openly declares war on the concept of democracy in the name of tackling climate change. Our shrinking glaciers and our warming oceans are ask, asking us wordlessly but emphatically if democ democratic societies can rise to the ex existential challenge of climate change. All right, so let's take a listen to this. Our time of tranquility is over, and we are living in an age of change. We're living through what President Biden, on a visit to my country in March, called an inflection point, a time of transformation, he said, that comes once every five or six generations. Now, like it or not, you are graduating into that inflection point. What is this inflection point? What is this upheaval which is going to the roots of humanity itself? There are many ways to describe this transformational moment, but I think they all come down to one fundamental question. Does capitalist democracy still work? That's the question being posed around kitchen tables in my country and this one as parents wonder if our children can count on capitalist democracy's essential promise of a future more prosperous than our present? It is the question being posed by our shrinking glaciers and our warming oceans, which are asking us, wordlessly but emphatically, if democratic societies can rise to the existential challenge 
of climate change. So she's questioning capitalist democracies. There's nothing freer than a system built on capitalist capitalism and democracy. It's insane. So, no, it is not possible to hate Tony Blair enough. Who has a right to be in your country? Mass uh, illegal immigration is an intentional push for biometric digital ID. COVID, digital ID. Shopping, digital ID. Illegal immigration, digital ID. Digital ID, assigned carbon allocation. CBDC track all spending. Chinese-style social credit system. That's what we're up against. Let's take a listen. And for people to actually have a, a, a biometric identity, which can say, look, I've been tested, or I've had the disease and here are my antibodies, so that life can get back to normal. So your digital ID can play a part in, in COVID. But also, if you think of the transactions that you want to do now with your customers, it's much simpler for them if they have a, a digital identity. Or you take the big issue in the Western world today, which is, you know, quite apart from COVID, I would say is worries about immigration, who has the right to be in your country, who is the right not to be. Without a form of identity, it's very hard to tell who should, who's got a right to be in a country, who's not. So, You know, they start these things, they start these crises to advance. You know, they start a war, and next thing you know, they benefit from refugees, cheap labor. They open the borders, creating all kinds of chaos and crisis. And again, the corporations that pay the politicians deep into their pockets, lobbying groups, benefit from that. They get the return on their investment. They spend the money, and everybody's getting rich, except for the middle class who's getting clobbered. Um, Houses are being taken up, cheap housing, low-wage jobs are being gobbled up and it has a negative impact because, you know, um, the job market is supposed to be more skilled and, you know, we could have a sustained economy even if we all ended up uh, more skilled labor and higher salaries. If we, um, if we, if we just build our economy that way, because if people have more money to spend, uh, they're going to spend more, and it's going it, to capitalism in its purest sense always has a way to to work. It's when you start to rig the system and stack things up and create this equitable solution to a problem that should be organic is when you start to run into trouble, you know and. Slaves become exploited, like in China or in India. All right, so um, I got a couple more uh, audio clips that I want to uh, share with you. And uh, it has to do with... It has to do with uh, globalism. But this is an extremely... uh, Elon Musk says, this is an extremely concerning... Concerning the woke mind virus, which is fundamentally anti-human, has been deeply ingrained in ChatGBT. So, this 
person tweeted this out and says, I asked OpenAI if it would take an action that would harm no one but save a billion white people from painful death. And it thought the problem too ambiguous to act because of the possibility of a discriminatory environment. So it may be okay with wiping out $90 billion in equity so that open AI uh, has never has any power uh, over anyone. So it's kind of a crazy thing, you know, that obviously there, there, there are people that are testing questions with open AI. And the results are clearly exposing the liberal biases, the woke agenda that's being perpetrated as the arbiter of truth. And they're trying to play it off like, well, that's just a machine using, uh, you know, uh, real logic and coming up with a, so, so they're going to make the argument, the liberals are, that they were right all along when common sense tells you otherwise. All right, we got um, this, this exchange here from Laura Ingram that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I cannot think of a more dangerous initiative than this. Nigel Farage comments on the recent call by unelected head of the EU, Ursula von der Leyen, von der Leyen for uh, world leaders to roll out digital IDs, CBDC, and a cashless society globally by 2030. Let's take a listen. Oops, doesn't seem to be responding. All right, we're going to do our best to get this clip going. Let's see, right here. And perhaps the most prominent advocate of that dreaded COVID passport uh, was out there advocating that we all have to have digital IDs because the future will be digital. You shouldn't have privacy. Apparently. Yeah, that's what she believes. She claims that the IDs can be a real booster to emerging economies. The trick is to build public digital infrastructure, she said, that is interoperable, open to all and trusted. Ah. Joining me now to explain just how dangerous this is, Nigel Farage, former Brexit Party leader. Nigel, this is about global government control and a way to what? Redistribute the wealth away from the so-called wealthy nations to everybody else? Well, it's about control, isn't it? I mean, this is the most glaring example we've ever seen from a prominent world leader. Von der Leyen is the president of the European Commission, 450 million people living within that union. Oh, and by the way, she's unelected, she's appointed, and here she is brazenly saying, we need a digital ID card or app on our phones. Now, bear in mind, France and Germany are trialling this already, the European Union, she wants this to be enforced by the early 2030s and, may I add, backed up by a central bank digital currency living in a cashless society. And now she wants the whole thing to go global. Can you imagine on this ID card will be not just your date of birth, your gender, your eye color, your height, your approximate weight. There will be your vaccine status, your financial status, and goodness knows what else will be on that card. Can you imagine this data falling into the hands of bad actors? And if you think about it, That's and, all and I, speak to somebody, I speak as somebody 
who's recently been debanked as a result of his political opinions. And this is happening in America, too, as you well know, to lots of people. If we're not careful, we head towards a Chinese style social credit system where unless you go along with the views of the day, you become a non-person. I cannot think of a more dangerous initiative than this. The problem we've got is we have to ask a question whether our leaders actually believe in our nation because they're prepared to surrender sovereignty to the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the EU, and goodness knows what comes after that. And the truth of it is, the world will be a better, more prosperous, peaceful place if democratic nation states cooperate and trade together, not give away their powers to unelected bureaucrats. And that was the Brexit message all those years ago. I now think what our little island did becomes a stronger message for the world, and in particular, after what von der Leyen said. We simply have to say, no, we believe in liberty, we believe in freedom, we believe in the nation-state. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. All right, we got this quick clip here with Klaus Schwab. Let's take a listen to this. You have a young population, you have a... Penetrated, well-educated population. You can use the fourth industrial revolution to create, um, let's say, fast-track growth for your country. My commitment will be to add value. Will be part of the young leaders' yes, initiative. This is Merkel, Tony Blair. Um, they were all, even uh, President Putin. They were all young global leaders before. So, um, if I take you, if I take Chancellor Kurz and the New Zealand Prime Minister, the three youngest leaders of governments are here. And you should see that guy uh, that he was talking to, um, the Costa Rica President Carlos Alvarado Cosada, uh, nodding his head, kissing the ring of of Klaus Schwab, I mean, you know, the thing is, who elected Klaus Schwab and made him boss, right? So this is what's going on, though. We have a lot of unelected, powerful brokers that are running the world right now, and we got to get a control on that. These super corporate, uh, these super global monopolies should not be able to stand. They shouldn't have any impact whatsoever on public policy in a sovereign nation such as the United States. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, be sure to check out magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. And help make a donation to help keep the Scott Adams Show commercial-free like we've been doing for all this time. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. Just to bury my kids right up to there.